This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Modeling peak COVID by state. Jedi strikes back against coronavirus. NVIDIA completes Mellanox acquisition. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. We've got a lot to cover this week in HPC, and I'm joined by both Tiffany Trader and Oliver Peckham from HPC Wire. And Tiffany, we're going to start out this week in HPC. I was at the HPC Advisory Council virtual event, the, the normal Stanford conference. Obviously, we weren't meeting in person, but it was a a fun opportunity to really get some deep dive technical talks. And I thought they were quite successful in putting together an online forum for the HPC Advisory Council this time around. Yeah, I, I attended that too. I know I know you were there and you presented at the end. Uh, I, I also thought they did a great job on the format of the program for the, for the virtual event and um, the way they, they had two, uh, two half-day sessions, which I thought was just, just perfect. It was chaired by Galad Shiner of, of uh, Mellanox, now with NVIDIA, and Brian Sparks also, same situation. Um, so yeah, I thought, it, I, thought, I thought it went really well. And that's going to lead us right into the first big news story this week in HPC, which is NVIDIA has completed its acquisition of Mellanox. This was a story we've tracked in previous episodes of this week in HPC, but now it's a done deal. Do you want to give us a quick recap on that? Yeah, so fresh off the presses, this milestone deal, NVIDIA just closed its acquisition of Mellanox on April 27th for a transaction value of $7 billion. That ended their 13.5-month engagement uh, that was first, the deal was first announced, uh, the intended deal was first announced March 11th, 2019. And uh, after NVIDIA reportedly beat out several rivals, including Intel, Microsoft, and and, and Xilinx were all in the running. Um, and, and then the deal had to clear several regulatory hurdles. So the U.S. and the European Union gave their approval without condition last year, but the ongoing trade war with China could have put the kibosh on this whole thing. As, as we recall, American chip company Qualcomm was forced to cancel their $44 billion acquisition of NXP uh, two years ago after China failed to grant that regulatory approval. All, all that's to say that this wasn't a sure thing, but it, it, it did happen and it went through. So now these two companies are joined together. Mellanox is expected to remain a, a business unit and continue to be based in Israel. And this gives NVIDIA, of course, uh, a complete end-to-end data centers slash HPC slash AI technology stack with the GPUs and the networking um, significant and mature software ecosystem that they have, uh, you know, everything but the server CPU, which you know, is, is on the table if, if they wanted to, uh, to do something there. And, you know, they've, they've uh, moved to fully support the ARM ecosystem. So that lays the groundwork, like I said, if, if, if they wanted to do that with a potential ARM server chip. You know, I think it's also like a continuing sign of the mainstreaming, sort of mainstreaming of HPC technologies into the data center. Um, you know, we believe, Jensen had said, we believe future data centers of all kinds will be built like high-performance computers back when the deal was announced. And, you know, data, of course, is just data, big data. It's the lifeblood of the, the digital world and the network, which, you know, was always this first-class citizen on the HPC side is, you know, now completely essential and fundamental on the uh, the commercial data center side too. 
This has been something we've continued to track on the analyst side, of course. We did major vendor profiles on all of the leading HPC vendors as part of our community last year in 2019. We covered both NVIDIA and Mellanox as separate companies. As you point out, NVIDIA, this is a an important link for them to be able to include high-end interconnects as a part of their overall offering, and we'll continue to watch how that situation evolves, particularly with regard to their relationship with uh, ARM vendors of all types. So uh, interesting development there as they get the clearance from China and finally complete that acquisition. But the big thing that we want to get to this week in HPC is the ongoing battle of supercomputing sites against coronavirus. And for that, we brought in Oliver Peckham. You were the author of a couple of interesting stories in HPC Wire and its sister publication, Data Nami. And the big one that I want to start with is a link to work going on at TAC, the Texas Advanced Computing Center at University of Texas, Austin, where they've got models looking at where the peak is individually on a state-by-state basis for COVID-19. Yeah, so if you're a data geek, by now you've probably heard of the COVID projection model from the University of Washington, uh, their Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, or the IHEME model, which has been cited a lot by the White House and the state governments and, and pretty much everyone during this pandemic. Uh, but the new model from the University of Texas at Austin uh, used those TAC resources to do some really interesting stuff and set itself apart from the IHME model, which uh, the researchers said had critical statistical flaws. So the new model has a few differences, but maybe most interestingly, it accounts for state-by-state differences in social distancing practices. And to do that, it uses anonymized GPS data from tens of millions of cell phones. The model also only uses U.S. data, unlike the IHME model, and it quantifies uncertainty a little bit differently. And all of this adds up to a model that's a a little bit more pessimistic, uh, but the numbers change daily, and you can see for yourself by visiting the interactive dashboard uh, from the University of Texas COVID-19 Modeling Consortium. Bringing in that anonymized cell phone data is important for these models in order to get some semblance of contact tracing. Tiffany and I are both in California, which has just extended its shelter-in-place orders for the state uh, through through May. But even within California, this is a big state, and people are acting differently in different ways. We've had news recently about beaches being open in Southern California, and a lot of people visiting those. Different states, of course, have entirely different different approaches. Not everyone's sheltering in place. Some have uh, different degrees of restricted movements or even no restrictions at all. So looking at this with not only at a state-to-state basis, but using the actual data on people's movements seems critical. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, the numbers are changing daily, and there's really going to be fluctuations. And the more granular we can get with people's movements within states and within even their own communities in order to understand how this thing is spreading and stop it from spreading, the more successful we're going to be. Yeah, so great work coming out of TAC looking at this state-level model. Tiffany, I was just saying, you and I are both in California. What do you think from your perspective? Great story, Oliver. Kudos to UT and TAC on this. It's great work. It's uh, it's a really easy to use interface that anyone can access with their their phone or computer. Uh, there's a link in the Data Nami article that, that that article is new COVID nineteen model shows peak scenarios for your state, and you you can you can find the link to the to the interface on there. Um, and yeah, just a shout out to the to the team that developed it at TAC. 
And meanwhile, HPC is doing a lot more than modeling the spread of COVID-19. We're also fighting back against it. The newest news this week in HPC is an initiative from the Joint European Disruptive Initiative, or JEDI, as we science nerds like to call it in our circles, which is a major European initiative. And you've got an interview in HPC Wire, uh, Oliver, from Andre Losekrig petrie who's uh, talking about a billion molecules in a fight back against COVID-19 in modeling toward therapeutics or treatments for the disease. Yeah, so JEDI is a European foundation that's aiming to be a sort of European DARPA. And they launched this billion molecules against COVID-19 challenge to identify and develop molecules for therapeutics to fight the coronavirus. Uh, The challenge launches in a few days. I think May 1st is still the most current launch date with millions of euros and prizes for the most successful teams. Uh, it's split into three stages. Uh, I think the title of the challenge is honestly underselling it a little bit, because the first stage will task each of the teams with screening a billion molecules among themselves using at least three different methods. And they're all aiming to identify molecules with exceptional potentials for binding to targets on the COVID-19 virus. And then JEDI will take the billion molecules from each of those teams and cross-correlate them, comprising a sort of master list. In using that master list, they'll synthesize a series of molecules and test their ability to reduce viral load. And that's stage two, the teams aiming to reduce the viral load using the synthesized molecules. And the final third stage will do both of those stages again, but only using molecules contained in FDA-approved drugs and drug cocktails to try to find a really quick answer to a workable therapeutic. What I really like about this particular initiative, you know, we've talked about harnessing supercomputing resources in the fight against COVID-19. And I've spoken with people from the national labs and we've had the whole HPC consortium here against COVID-19. We've talked to Chineca, but uh, you know, that's a passive sort of thing. Hey, these resources are open. You can have grants. You can come get them. This is very actively reaching out to users in the community to offer prizes and engagement for who can come ride to the rescue and help solve this problem. And not only that, they're also pooling the supercomputing resources very proactively. So they've uh, assembled a pretty impressive coalition of scientific and supercomputing leaders, uh, ranging from uh, resources from Gensi and Prace to Deutsche Telekom and even uh, crowdsource computing uh, folding at home, which is providing detailed information on targets uh, for the competitors to use. Uh, Andre estimated that they have tens, if not hundreds of millions of available core hours that they'll distribute among the teams. And this is all very timely. Of course, clocks ticking on all of this, and we're hoping supercomputing can start things up, right, Tiffany? Yeah, so the, this challenge is going to launch uh, in a couple days on May 1st. And they estimate that the first two stages will each take around four weeks with a couple of weeks uh, in between. And then they'll, um, they'll go from there. It's another big week in HPC in the battle against COVID-19. I want to thank both Tiffany and Oliver for joining me this week. And thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.